another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Well, we're in week two of a series that we've called A Matter of Conversation. And really, this whole series comes out of the fact of how important people are to God. And when you begin to understand that God loves you so much and how He's moved in on your world and changed you, God's longing to move in on other people's world. Uh, there's an incredible scripture. I want to start out in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. And it says this, that God is not slack concerning His promises as men are slack, or some would count slackness. But God is long-suffering. That means God is prepared to wait towards us. He is not willing that any, any human being should perish, but that everybody would come to a point of repentance or come to a point where they acknowledge their past and their need of God. And I look at that and I have a lot of people saying to me, well, I've heard most of my life, if not all of my life, that Jesus is coming. Why isn't he here yet? When you really understand the heart of the Father, you understand that God is waiting for every human being to come to a point where they discover his forgiveness. So he doesn't just stand around their world, but he's able to move into their world. He's not just a belief system of something that we have mentally connected with, but he becomes a personal and loving Savior. And it's very easy for us, the church, and I'm talking to the church today, to really get caught up and trapped with all kinds of things that happen in life. We've got to do life. We've got busy lives. We've got work. We've got family. All of the parents today are going to be raising children. How many know babies are cute for a while? But when they turn into teenagers, they become demons almost. It's like, we, if that's if you didn't train them well. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, all of those are challenges. And then you get focused on things you love to do. And in, even in the church, we get focused on, well, what's my call and my purpose? I, I want to be very simple today. I think too many Christians are still saying, well, what's my purpose in life? Only to realize it's like this. It's simply this, to know God or to know Him and to make Him know it. Because once you know God, everything about your past begins to lose its grip on who you are. When you know God, you realize that I was created not to do life just with my own gifts and my own opportunity, but I found there is a divine God that lives inside of me, and I found that purpose. And so if you feel like you are a Christian, you've had faith, you've found faith, but you don't know where you're going, I just want to encourage you, come on, get to know Him more, and then let Him be known more. It's like the God I've found is not something I'm scared of. And so there are wonders in all kinds of things in life. But I think the greatest wonder any one of us as God's children can do is to bring light to darkness. It's not like a religious platform where we're better than you. Nobody's better than you. But let's get on course and know why we're here. I've got to be honest. When I was a teenager and I got my license, how many know uh, in those years you can be a bit of a rebel? And you have no money, well, not a whole lot of money. So I bought a 1500 Cortina and sort of souped it up a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we, to be honest, we're not always keeping within the law. I was in church, but outside of the law. Anybody know what that's like? And because uh, we drove the car pretty hard, the tires got worn down pretty quickly. And if there was any moisture on the road, it began to slip. And so... Uh, 
Over time, we had no money to buy new tires, so you learned to drive according to the conditions. I think the church today, by and large, has drifted a long way away from what she's here for. And we're driving to the conditions. We want a church that just keeps pepping us up. And there's nothing wrong with being lifted because we go through tough things in life. Uh, we want to find our ministry for me and feel. And, and yet the Father's heart is that everyone that has not experienced His forgiveness is lost. And they were never designed to go through the kind of life and we can all walk into a church and go, what the heck is this? Is this some kind of show? No, you're surrounded by people, even Julie, and I'm going to pick on her today. It's kind of like Marie, Marie was sharing her life story, and then she's written a book called A Diamond in the Dirt. Well, Julie comes into an environment, if I've got it right, invited by friends, had a pretty crap past, to say the least. And here's about somebody that's had a crap past, but found a God that taught her how to make a diamond of her life. And then when I saw her out in the fire, I thought, you've come all the way. Just, yeah, yeah, you're my godfather. I said, nice to know. Anyway, this is, and again, I hope you don't mind this, Julie. You'll tell me off afterwards anyway. She's actually got, actually got a tattoo of a diamond. Because she heard that night that God could take stuff that's broken. <laughs> she says, I, I've discovered that God now. I'm in the fire still in life at times, but there's another. And then she just told us too that recently she started the business. She said, you know, it's kind of like, she even told me the whole story associated. I don't have time, but she says, I've called the business a diamond in the dirt. And I just thought the impact of someone that's going to be honest enough to have a conversation and say, we're not about religion. You have to have this and God's here to condemn you. No, God's concerned about you that, you don't just accept your life and drive with low-treaded tires. That you can find a tread that's going to keep you on the road when it's raining or when it's sunshiny. And as a church, we want to be that kind of person. Years and years ago, I lived in Sydney, and uh, we were in church offices. Uh, I had gone on a full-time staff in my early 20s. And uh, the auditorium was quite a way away from those offices. And, you, and we would walk down the road to get lunch and pass a whole lot of kind of light industrial places. One of them was a panel beater's place. And I walked past the panel beater's store and there was a roller door and it was up. Of course, they were working, maybe five or six working in there. And over a, a period of time, because I'm quite practical, I'd never done panel beating, but I, I wanted to know more about it. So I would sort of yell out to the guys, hey, mate, how are you? Finally got to know some of their names. Finally got to know the name of the guy that owned it. His name was Ken. And Ken was standing at the door one day after many times saying, hey, Ken, how you doing? Hey, Paul, how you doing? And I just stopped and we had a great conversation. I just said, oh, I'd love to learn. He said, well, look, why don't you come when you're free and I'll teach you how to panel beat. So anyway, I did that. Conversations led to quite a bit of time together. And then on one particular thing, he said, so what do you do? And I said, oh, well, we're up in the offices. In fact, I'm a youth pastor at a church. He said, what's that all about? I shared how I had collided and connected with God. And he said, wow, do you think God would ever reach out to someone like me? I said, he died for you. And I led him to a place where he found the God that meets you in the fire. And he, he remarkably began to share all the stuff he had done as a panel beater. There's a few cars he pushed off cliffs. And he says, you know, what, what, what do I do all about that? I said, mate, yeah. I don't know, just don't do it anymore, I suppose. It's like. 
He, he got to church, not because he had to go to church, but he discovered church was an environment that put tread back on the tires. And he, he just found a whole new life. Like, we're surrounded with people like that. But I'll never forget what he said to me one day. He said, Paul, why didn't somebody tell me earlier? Why didn't somebody tell me that religion, which is man's attempt to do what they think they have to do, is not God. God is about a relationship that meets us wherever we are and then shows us he can change us. And I kind of think we as a church got to be careful that behind every mask is a heart. If we broke down and became the real us, we're all searching for the reason why we're on planet Earth. We're all searching. What makes sense of it? Are we just here? In fact, there's a whole group of scientists just recently, and they have, there's thousands of them now that have publicly uh, declared evolution cannot happen. You, the, the amount of time it would take to evolve everything to where it is, it's an impossibility. So they were asked, well, then how? They said, we don't know, but there must have been something else behind it all. Well, we're here to say there is a God that's behind it, not it all. He is behind it all, but he's with you and he's in the fire and he meets us exactly where we are. And it's kind of like in everything that we are, God meets us there. Recently, we have a program called Life TV and we're uh, right throughout New Zealand, the Pacific Islands. We're here on the Christian Channel. But I had a guy come from the prison, came and say, Pastor Paul, thank you for the program. I said, oh, well, thank you. He said, no, there were 30 to 50 of us every week in prison watching Life TV. And we discovered there is a God that can meet us and can change us. I've never heard about that all my life. In fact, in New Zealand, we're having over 100,000 viewers every month now. And I suppose you say, well, why are you saying all of that? Because I want to stir you that you're a person that is not here to present um, religion, but you're a, a person that can present a credible God that will never force his way on anyone, but offers a life that's different. When, when I was young in the church, I didn't go to a church like this. Anybody else like that? Come on. It's kind of like I wouldn't have brought any of my friends to church. Uh, the oldest lady in church was a lady called Granny Diamond. Again, Diamond seems to be the theme that's coming out. I just realized that now. It's like Granny Diamond came to church. She's in her 90s. But when she praised God, when they were singing, there's another in the fire. By the way, they didn't sing things like that back then. But she would just go like a siren. And I thought, there is no way I'll ever bring one of my mates to this church. Come on, how, how many had somebody singing like that in worship? This, no, don't point at anyone. And then there was Sister Wilmshurst. She was a, la a larger than life lady. And we used to have wooden pews and they were a little bit sort of bent over time. And she would sit on one end and she was married to her husband uh, and he often sat on the other side and she sort of, and the singing got really excited and it was just like the playground thing that was going up and down. And I think, I am never bringing my mates to church. I suppose what I'm saying to you is, you know, there's a God that lives inside of you if you've given your life to him, that God's saying, would you begin to tell others? Would you realize that God is a God that is not here to condemn people? You read John 8, there's a woman that was caught in adultery. And it was the religious people that wanted her to be stoned because back then that was the law. And they bring her to Jesus, you'll know the story. And Jesus just said to each of the religious people, well, if you've got no sin, you be the first stone thrower. Stop throwing stones. Come on, church. 
We're in a world that doesn't need us to throw stones. We need a world that hears the words that Jesus brought to her, neither do I condemn you. But the answer to your future is go and sin no more because every time you sin, you hold God at bay. And sin begins to create a future that you weren't designed to be. And as I lay this platform, I, I sort of Googled last week, but do you realize 151,000 humans die every day? That's globally, of course. And if you believe the Bible, you realize there is an eternity that waits every human life. And we believe that totally. There are no exceptions to eternity. It just doesn't all start because of a big bang and all winds up. There's far more purpose to it. There's a God that created the complexity of life and the, the wonder of life. Hebrews 9 verse 27, a pretty challenging verse. It says, it is appointed unto men once to die or to die once. But every human being will then face a judgment. You see, God is holy and the holiness of God can't mix with sin. That's why Jesus died. Christians aren't perfect people, they're just forgiven people. And eternity is an eternity with God when our lives are connected to Him. If we choose not to connect, then our lives for eternity will be judged and we will be removed from Him. And it kind of, that can be taught in the church as a real like heavy thing. But for me, it's a wake-up call. I'm here because, again, of God meeting me. And that's why we're wearing these shirts and we've got the gear. In fact, you can get this merchandise out in the paying me to be a model today. Uh, lost and found. It's like, what do you mean lost or found? We've got these, uh, again, these rubber ring bands. That's, again, if you're sort of loud and out there, you've got black and white. And if you're a little timid, you've got a white one, which you have to look close and Work out there's found on there and there's a cross. And if you're confused, you wear both. That's me. But seriously, it's like I, I want to be a conversation starter that there is an eternity. And God's not here trying to put people in hell. No, God's saying you get to choose while you're here on life. And if you're here today, you're hearing the gospel that God is a good God, that God is a loving God, that he wants you. But the church, I'm talking to our church because I reckon our church, we can again, lose the fact that actually we are here, what? To know Him and make Him known. And are we doing that? Are we literally, or are we just wanting to find our own little niche or our own gift? Charles Spurgeon, one of the great fathers of faith, this is what he said in the old language. He says, if sinners are damned, at least let's make them leap over us, our dead bodies on the way to hell. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, employing them to stay. He says, if hell must be filled, let it not go unwarned and unprayed for. And I kind of, you know, I grew up in a church where there's a lot of fear emphasis. I don't want life to be like that. But I do want us to realize, let's put some back, tread back on the, on the tire. Let's make sure that we're here to, to know him and make him knowing. Can somebody say amen? He went on and said this, you have never truly found Jesus if you don't tell others about him. How, how can you find the wonder of a God that forgives your past, a God that steps into your life and not share that with others? And some today say, well, I don't believe God would send people to a hell. Well, the Bible says, 
Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The whole story of Jesus is he's not putting people in hell. He says, I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to die on a cross to pay the price for your sins so that you can be forgiven and you can stand up and you can be who God called you to be. And I think sometimes we've got to reassess who we are. They changed the darts on me. That's all right, you're forgiven. And it's kind of like, well, what is life all about? So I got a dartboard just to explain it a little bit. And we can spend our lives as Christians seriously doing all kinds of stuff that don't really matter. Wow, we had a great Sunday because somebody talked to me. Well, thank God somebody talked to you because we need people to talk to us. Thank God I can go to a church with nice coffee. Well, that's great to have coffee. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change eternity. You know, thank God that I found my gift and now I feel special because I'm able to, no, no, your gift is hitting a dartboard, which is the Father's dartboard, which is about people. And so I've got to go back and I've got to say, even though I enjoy all of those things, really, does it matter? Does it really matter that even the stuff I went through in my past, that, you know, can't I just bring that to God and God could heal that? Couldn't a smile not just be on my face, but on the inside? And so I'm going to turn around and go, hey, guys, you know what? You know, once you ever felt like being lost in life, ever feeling like you've got it all but got nothing? Ever feel like you had nothing and, and it's like, what's the point of it? Well, hey, I felt like that. But then I found that there is a God that is on the other side of the door. There is a God that wants to meet me in the fire. And I, I just want to tell you about the God that I met. He's not religious. He's more responsive than Life Melbourne is on a Sunday morning, but he's a good God. He believes the best in us. And you know what? We're, none of us are perfect. Wow. That's pretty cool. I'll get better than that. Jesus help us. <laughs> he met me exactly where I am. And I became a 10 out of 10. And then as I kept walking with him, I realized there were ones in my life. It's not all perfect and it doesn't all work. Those little kids grow up and I need some help. And, but I kept going. Oh, and I got closer. And then at times further away, but God walked with me every step of the way. And, and if I could lay a platform, this is how I believe. This is just me speaking. But I believe if we're going to have a matter of conversation, it's not like we go out, we grab people on Monday, say, you're, you've got to find Jesus and you're a bad person and you shouldn't be doing that. No, that's not the way God works. So I, I kind of put together a sketch and it's like a dartboard on the screens. And obviously, God wants all of us to discover Jesus. And Jesus is at the center of it all. Not religion. You can go to church every week and never change. You find Jesus and you find the ability to change. You find Jesus and you find a God that's with you through everything. He doesn't sit there and go, well, I'm disappointed in you. Some of us have been in churches where they were disappointed in us. And churches and other people will let you down, but Jesus won't. He's the God of all of eternity. We can't even get our heads around it. And he came and he died on a cross for me. And he says, the closer you get to me, the closer your freedom becomes. So you say, well, then how do I take this conversation and make it real? I feel like God's given me a thought. I think it begins with what I call love. And it's an unconditional love. That love that is unconditional. Let's put it on the screen. That love 
is a representative of who God really is. That God is love. And by the way, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so loved you, longed for you to experience who he was. And it's the foundation on which God builds. You know, if we as a church ever get away from a foundation of love, we've missed it. Love is truly who God is. He is not there as a legalistic entity. He's a God that is love. And I think there is a breakdown in the human heart today because we're all looking for that love. And so we've got to change the way we are. We've got to find other answers that maybe alleviate the pain of discovering the love of a heavenly father. And maybe you've never had a father's love. Well, I want to tell you, there is a God that loves you and he loves you unconditionally. And there is for us as a church, let's be people that don't have the kind of view, oh, well, because of your sin, I don't know what what I can do with you. I don't know if I want to talk to you. No, it's a matter of conversation and it begins with love that is completely unconditional. I'm putting it down there. I'm laying it out. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, said Jesus, that you love one another. It wasn't directed to the church. It was directed to humanity, that we love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than a man or a person would lay down their life for their friends. Lay down everything that belongs to me for someone else. It's the laying down of our prejudices, laying down of the way that at times we think we need to respond. I think we need to live in such a way that those who know us yet don't know God, will come to know God because they know us. You say, well, I know I should be sharing my faith. How do I do it? Just start on the outer parameter, love unconditionally. How do I love you unconditionally? It's like, well, if I do something for you, surely there's strings attached. No strings attached, I just love you. At work, are you the person that's known as the one that does the extra without anything that comes back to you? So I love to fish and go diving. We catch a lot of fish in New Zealand. And uh, I did commercial fishing for a year, so I know how to fillet them and prepare all the fillets. And we just give it to all the neighbors. I've become one of the most liked person in our neighborhood because of fish. Then we went to a cafe not so long ago, and a new couple started this cafe, and she's there at the front. And I loved her efficiency. I'm wired that way, and he's in the kitchen. Don't know much about them, but we just started turning up because they do such a good job. Got to know their names, Lynette and Gary, it's Alan G's Cafe, and I I just said randomly to her, maybe after about the 10th time I'd been at the cafe, uh, would you like some fresh fish anytime? She says, oh my gosh, fresh fish snapper, yeah, snapper, this is what she said to me, she obviously knew me, I'm not sure if she knows who I am yet, maybe she does, she doesn't, but she said, oh well I was married and that marriage finished, And my husband, my former husband, and the boys, my kids, we always went fishing. But when the marriage finished, we've never been fishing. And my partner doesn't like to go fishing. I said, well, I'll bring you some. I can't tell you what happened. When I brought a fish next week or so, she said, you did it. I said, it's only fish. You did it. You brought snapper. I saw her go into the kitchen telling people, he brought snapper to me. And I thought, it's only flipping fish. It's not about the fish. It's just like, do you know that God loves you unconditionally? God will love you whether you say no to him or you say yes to him. 
God will love you and believe in you. And I think we need to learn to listen to people and realize God is not a condemning God. Are you getting something out of this? And I think it'd be good for us to talk about, well, how do I reach the world? Love unconditional. Then I would say the next level would be grace undeniable. That not only will I love you and just do things, no strings attached, but I'm going to be loving you undeniable. There's going to be a removal of personal judgment. That I don't want to be somebody that is known to judge you, but I'm literally removing that judgment that is over you. And I love this quote, we draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe or by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but we do it by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their heart to know the source of it. And for me, it's kind of like the church has lost its way sometimes because we think we've got to judge people, whereas I'm saying we're not here to judge people, we're here to bring grace. There's a demonstration of love that's undeniable, no strings attached, but then there is this grace that is the removal of personal judgment. I'm not here to judge you. And some of you are going, yeah, but how will they ever know? I'm not finished yet. John 12, 46, I have come as a light, Jesus said, into the world. Whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. Because I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Come on, I want you to hear this. Any religious minds out there? He who rejects me and does not receive my word has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Wow. So if Jesus said, I'm not here to judge you, but my words will judge you in the last day. It's kind of like, well, I'm not here to go, you know, I can't really associate with you because you're doing this, this, and that, and you're that kind of person and all of that. No, I realize God's grace came to me. It was undeniable. So whoever my neighbor is, there is no, come on, lack of connection because we love unconditionally and we bring grace that's undeniable. Well, I thought you believe this, this, and that, and I thought you would never talk to us. It's like, man, no, Jesus, what are you doing with a woman? Who's in the act of adultery? What are you doing in a tax collector's house? What are you doing with people that the religious people said nothing to do? Because they didn't understand that God is a God of love. God is a God of grace. And I've had to change some of my paradigms because I certainly wasn't taught this, but I had to realize that, you know, I wasn't giving credence to their choice in life by accepting them. I am not there as the one that brings the judgment. God's word does that. Max Licardo, a Christian author, said this, when grace moves in, guilt moves out. So therefore, whoever I work with, wherever it is, it's kind of like, it's not like, well, I, I don't know. See, I lived for many years. My dilemma was, aren't I accepting you or what you believe if I really just completely embrace you? Only to realize, no, that's not it. As our church turns 17 years, we're now 28. That's all of us. You're about six years, but you're part of a 28-year legacy. 17 years, we always had a church party. I just felt one year, let's go and do something for the AIDS hospice. In the AIDS hospice, there were mainly, again, uh, workers were mainly uh, gay doctors and nurses, by and large, 80% plus. When I first walked into the AIDS hospice, there was one of our, my friends that was in the hospice as well. It's kind of like, man, here they come, these judgmental Christians. 
And honestly, there were walls hugely. After three months, and when he finally died, my friend, I hugged seven of them at the funeral. And you know what they said to me? They said, we've never met a Christian like you. And we bought a car for them to transport their drugs. We paid for some renovation in the facility. They said, we have never had any Christian organization ever do anything for us. Well, you know what? There was a God that did everything for them. He came and died on a cross so that their sin, my sin, your sin could be released. And I just want to free people today. We're not, again, telling our story. Why? Because it begins with love that's unconditional. And then it has grace that's undeniable. You're not like any other Christian that I met. Well, we're not trying to be that kind of person. We're just trying to be real Christians. All right. Again, Jesus, that's just a different, it's a paradigm shift. He says in Luke 6, 39, he said this parable, can blind people lead blind people? How are you ever going to reach those who can't see if you just stay blind and you don't realize, I'm a love that's unconditional. I'm a grace that's undeniable. And then he goes and he says in verse 42, how can you say to someone else, your brother, let me get that speck that's in your eye and you don't see the flipping great plank. That's my translation. It's sticking out of your eye. As soon as you start judging other people, it means you haven't understood the grace that's come to you. When you realize what God's forgiven you of, you'll never be there pointing a finger at somebody else. We're going to love. We're going to bring grace to them. We're to know him and make him known. And then the third. Then it comes to what I would say is truth. Truth that is uncompromised. See, some people today would say, and especially some younger people in church, millennials, not just them, but some would say, well, God would never put people in hell. He's not putting people in hell. They've made a decision. You see, yeah, but God is love. He is love. But God is grace and God is truth. You, you can't break God down and just like one part. He is holy. Therefore, eternity means that holiness cannot mix with unholiness. That's why God loves us all, but many of us have never got to know his love and forgiveness until our sin is forgiven. But this thought of truth, this truth is again something that is uncompromised. You can't just take part of it. It's untampered. It's an untampered gospel. And I would suggest that our role is to bring love that's unconditional, grace that's undeniable, and then upon invitation... So what is it that you believe then? Because you've become our best friends. And there are other Christians that just write us off. It's like, well, it's because God's word sets us free. And God's met us and forgiven us. And, and I don't think we are here to present truth until we've had love and grace as a forerunner. And I think once people ask the question, then we've got to be, up there, we're not tampering the gospel. We're not adjusting. That's not your job. Your job is to bring truth. You know why? Because truth sets us free. <laughs> John 1.14. I'm getting a bit deep now, so I'm going to hurry up. And the word was made flesh. This is Jesus. And he dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. It's kind of like, that's God. That's who he is. God is love. God is grace. God is truth. And we've got to, again, begin to say, hey, we found a truth that it was challenging at the time, but boy, did it set us free. And I want to tell you about what God did. As I said, make sure that you've got something to help the starting of the conversation. John 8 and verse 31 in the Amplified, Jesus said to the religious people who also had a belief in him, if you abide in my word, hold fast 
to my teaching and live in accordance to them, then you're my disciple. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can have a belief in God, but live unfree. It's the knowledge of the truth. It's the aligning of that truth that changes everything that we are. Can somebody say amen? Is that all right? So I just want us all to begin to create pathways. I'm, I'm here, where, whatever country I'm in, whatever plane I'm in. See, I was told when I was a boy, you've got to give them the four spiritual laws. I didn't even know what they were. And I'm sitting next to somebody on the plane, oh, I've got to get them before they go because that, that's a loss. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just a part. So all i got to do is love them unconditionally. All i got to do is then bring grace that they go, wow, I've never been showing that kind of non-judgmental spirit before. And then, so, so what, what do you believe? Well, the wages of sin. The Bible says for all of us as humans is death. But let's not focus just on that. Here's the focus. The gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life. Freedom, not religious bigotry. Freedom. Come on, I need some help on the keys. It's like God is a God that all of us can meet. And you, you know, I've had people, many people say to me, well, I don't need the God that you've got because I've got everything. You know what? I've gained a little bit of wisdom over the years. You might have everything on as a mask, but you've still got a heart that until it finds the God that created you, you'll never find completely fulfilled. It's your decision. It's my decision. And I think with all of what God is doing and where God is taking us as a church, we're here, come on, to know Him and to make Him known and to be a conversation starter because we're just going to keep loving you no matter whether you say yes or no. I'm not the one that's liable for your eternity. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. There's an incredible account that Jesus brought in Luke 15. Just look at me for a moment. It's the story of three men. There's a dad with two sons. Don't know what happened to the mother. But they were all living in the house. Dad was a good dad because he decided that everything that he had would go to his two sons. Then the story moves on in life because both sons made decisions. See, there was one son that chose to leave. He took his 50% left, and without going into the details, he lost the lot. So he lost it all. There was another son that was in the house. If you get my picture, he had it all. There was nothing more he could have had, but he was in the house. He was in the fields of the house, and he stayed in the house. And then there was a dad who again was in the house, but he didn't live there. He lived at the gate. Waiting for the one that would understand there's a God that forgives and restores. One had it all, but in a sense had missed it all. And a great church, great friends, had everything they thought they wanted, but had missed it all. The other one had it, went their own way, lost it all. And came to a point where they said, man, maybe I'd be better at my father's house, even as a servant, than out in the pig pen. But then there was a dad who had given it all. And he waited for people like you and me 
to say, if you let me, I'll forgive you. And I'll start a journey that will change you forever. It's not a religious cloak. It's a realization of my love, my grace, and a truth that sets you free. It's your choice. I want us to be a church. Come on, doesn't get enamored just by our nice buildings. Come on, we're not here just to be the cool church, nice music, wear the t-shirt. We want to be at the gate and prepared to give it all. Because if we give it all, come on, there'll be many that are going to find Jesus through the gate and discover it. And I think sometimes as Christians, it's all about us, whereas the way of the gospel is all about others. And if you'd love them like I loved you, then you'd lay down everything and make it happen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.